Hey everyone, welcome to the Revive West Des Moines podcast. I'm Jamie Richards, the Young Adult Minister at Hope West Des Moines. What you are about to hear is the live recording from Revive West Des Moines this past week. We hope you can connect with God and the good life that God has for you through what you hear in this message. Check it out. Thanks a lot for coming out with me, man. I can't believe it's five days from now I'm gonna be married. Yeah? I mean, I'm freaking out, man. I don't think I can go through it. Ah, it's perfectly normal to feel a little nervous, Chris. I did when I got married. Same here. Listen, can I ask you guys some marriage questions? Shoot. Yeah, we'll give it to you straight. Okay, because like Katie and I are fighting about like stupid things all the time, and I don't know. Do you guys fight a lot before you guys are married? Or? I'm gonna let you in on a little secret, Chris. <laughs> Once you get married, the fighting stops. <laughs> really? Yeah. It stops completely? Mm-hmm. You never fight about petty things again. No more screaming about filling up the ice cube trays. No more reamings for forgetting uh, to replace the toilet paper roll, you know. I don't, I don't get it. When, when is this sudden change of things? Is that, is that possible? I don't know. It's just magical. Yeah, it's like a fairy tale, Chris. Marriage is just this <laughs> incredibly wonderful state of mind. Maybe it's the idea that you're gonna be with the same woman until the day you die. That... <laughs> But just freeze you up. Yeah. This is, uh, this is like awesome. What, 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 else, what else happens? You lose weight. Yeah. <laughs> you guys look fatter to me. Hey, that's muscle jerk. <laughs> I mean, when you're married, you always want to look your best. I'll tell you what's really great about marriage. You never ever think about old girlfriends again. Yeah, you, you don't feel that urge to call them on the phone just to hear their voice on the outgoing message anymore. You still look at other women, though, don't you? Why? You have everything you need waking up next to you, day in and day out. Thing is, too, until I got married, I had absolutely no idea how much fun it was to talk about money. Really? Mm-hmm. Money? I mean, Katie and I almost got into a fistfight over joint checking. You know what they say, Chris? Marriage eradicates defensiveness. And criticism. I mean, once you're married, you don't feel that urge to criticize your wife's lack of education in front of a group of male friends. It's true. The beauty of marriage is that you're freed from thoughts like, God, I just want to run away. I want to empty my bank account and just run off to a small college town under an assumed name and live with a young girl in a cotton sundress. And here's the best thing of all. After, you, after you're married, you will not believe how close you grow to your wife's family. Yeah. It's, it's almost scary how much you look forward to the time you spend with them. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can't wait for the holidays. Hey, I love my wife's mother. <laughs> ah. I hope that happens because Katie's mom is being such a jerk about the wedding. Oh, forget about it. I mean, for some reason, on your wedding day, all your mother-in-law's horrible traits will just vanish. Yeah. Whole day is stress-free. There won't be any weather problems. The band shows up on time. And the photographer doesn't forget to get a shot of you and your grandfather, who dies a week later. And you still have the energy to make sweet, beautiful love to your new wife at the end of the evening six or eight times. It's not like you have an all-out brawl about the next day's travel plans and you fall asleep on the floor in the corner alone, (laughs) holding a champagne bottle and wondering if you married a control freak. Marriage is a wonderful dream, Chris. It's a wonderful, wonderful dream. (laughs) You guys made it sound really cool, man. I'm I'm psyched. I gotta go to the bathroom now. All right, you should be. We'll be right back. Thanks. Should we tell him the truth? Nobody told me, screw him. All right, well, hello, Revive. 
my name is Eric Payton. I'm the Connections Coordinator here at Hope. I'm Melissa Conley. I am on the worship team here at Hope. And we, uh, did you already go to the next one? Yes, yeah, sorry. I'm in charge I'm, of the I'm clicker. Like, yeah. <laughs> Good luck. Nope, nope, go back. <laughs> we're we're uh, talking about marriage tonight, like uh, Jamie said, and uh, we're in the, what, third week, fourth week of this series? Fourth week, yeah. One, two, three, four. Uh, and so we're talking about marriage. Um, if you've been here the last couple of weeks, you know that we've gone through single, dating, engaged, and now married. And like Jamie said, next week we're doing breakups or done or whatever it's being called. Um, and so Alyssa and I are married, not to each other, to someone else. We thought that joke was funny. Thank you for um, laughing. Yes, yes, thank you. That's a dad joke. Um, and so we were asked and I guess are qualified to speak on marriage. Um, but uh, yeah, we've got our, our families up there. My wife, Carla, on the left, and my two boys, McAllister, goes by Cal, and the younger one is Rory. And that's Chad, and then the older one is Jasper, and the little guy is Benji. <sighs> and uh, yeah, so I'm just super excited to be here at Revive. Revive is a really special place for me personally because um, I actually met my wife here in this room at Revive. Um, yeah. <laughs> it probably was, what year is it? It's probably eight 20, years ago-ish. Yeah. Um, and then we were married here on this stage. And so, um, yeah, Revive has just always been a really special place for me. I haven't been back in a while because of the pandemic and having kids at home and all that sort of craziness. But um, so if you haven't seen me before or if, if you have, you've probably been here a while. But um, yeah, super glad to be back. Yeah. Um, Chad and I did not meet at Revive, but we did get married right here, right before Revive, one lovely evening. We did a destination wedding, but like in secret. We got married here before we went to the Bahamas. So um, Revive is a special place for me. Jamie mentioned earlier that I, I had the joyful privilege to get to lead worship here. So when Jacob says things like, I missed you guys last week. I love being here with you. I understand uh, what that feels like. And um, it's so good to get to worship with a community of people that just want to be here. You could do anything on a Thursday, but here you are. So, Yeah. But uh, marriage is, is such an important topic, I think, for us to talk about because um, we're all impacted by married, marriage. Um, I'm not sure how many people are married here in the room, but you know people who are married. Maybe you want to be married. You, your parents are married or whatever it is. Um, and so we all kind of benefit from healthy marriages in our, in our world. And, um, and so we wanted to, to come and speak about how you can have a healthy marriage, um, what the Bible says about healthy marriages, um, and what God why God set this up for us um, as a gift. And so before we uh, get too much into this, we're gonna share, each of us kind of share something we really love about marriage and something that maybe kind of surprised us. Um, and so I'll, I'll start. My, the thing that I really love about marriage is just having my best friend there in the in-between moments, you know, like when you're doing the dishes or you're doing laundry or mowing the lawn or whatever it is, and just having those in-between moments where you, you have your best friend around you at all times. Um, some people may, that may seem awful, but I'm an introvert, and so I, I, need, I, need, I need my alone time, but it's still, it's still great to have um, my best friend around. Um, and I was surprised by how different the two of us actually are, and you might, that might not seem all that surprising because people say that opposites attract, um, but also... They also say what like likes like. Yeah. And people who are alike tend to, tend to come together, and, and my wife and I bonded over a lot of similarities. Uh, and so then, then that's what we kind of clicked over at first. Um, we both, 
went to the University of Nebraska, so I just lost most of the room here because you all hate me, right? <laughs> um, and, uh, and, and we met here at Hope, so we were the only two in Nebraska. We were the only two Huskers here, and so we just gravitated together. But um, over the years, we've realized really how different we are and, and how sometimes it makes it, things difficult, sometimes it makes things interesting. Uh, we'll talk about that a little more in a minute. But Sometimes it makes them difficult and interesting. Yes, both, both <laughs> um, and. <clears throat> Something that I love uh, about getting to be married to Chad is that I know that him and I see one another in a way that no other human ever will. I, I love knowing that about him and that, and that he's that for me. Um, we see each other's highs and lows up close and personal. And even when that is super challenging, um, we still choose to love one another. We, we, just, we are constantly and actively choosing to continue to love one another and pursue one another. We don't do it perfect all the time. I don't think any married person would tell you that they do. Um, we can all be better at relationships, I think, regardless of what your status is. Um, something that surprised me, I'm, I'm very independent. I'm very, like, color red, high achieving. I will do all the things myself because then I know that they get done. Um, <laughs> All the other type A's are like, yeah, girl. Um, <laughs> I was surprised by the truth that even really small choices that we make, when we are in partnership with somebody else so closely, they impact them. Every one of them, even if it's like mundane. Money, money is not mundane. Don't hear that. I did not just say that. It can be stuff like money. It can be stuff like where you choose to spend your time and energy, what friends you hang out with, where there's overlap, where there's not, how you pick um, delegating time with like your kids, if that's something that um, is part of your future. Um, the, choices that you the choices that you make impact your plus one, if you will, or your partner. That was very surprising to me. We thought this clip was hilarious. Like, should we tell him? Nobody told me. We're going to tell you just some, we're going to, what are we doing here? Where am I at? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Marriage is different. Marriage is different than we thought it would be. Um, for me, my biggest assumption that I made when I was not married or when I was not even like seriously dating anybody was that once I was doing this next thing, that I would never be lonely and that I would never feel insecure. I still feel lonely. I've been married to Chad for seven years. There are times I still feel lonely, and there are times that I do still feel insecure. Um, I also never thought that like getting too comfortable, I'm like big air quotes, too comfortable uh, was a thing that could happen, but it can happen. It is really easy to be lazy. Has anybody ever been like, I'm going to be high achieving today and then just like watch Netflix all day? Yeah. We have to work hard at the things that deserve hard work. Um, like anything worth having, relationships require maintenance. And I just want to tell you a quick analogy about houses. You have a house. If you don't have a house, you have an apartment. You live somewhere. If you never cleaned the cabinets and never vacuumed your floors or dusted or got up on top of that fan, you know, change light bulbs, um, your home would lose value. Similarly with marriage and any, again, any partnership or relationship, this could be with you and your little sister, um, if we don't tend to it, it loses value, and that can result in disconnection and distance. Um, we also have some assumptions about what marriage will and won't be, and we, we tend to draw those from two places. One, what we saw our parents doing when we were little, or uncles, or aunts, or 
you know, any, anybody that you were around that was married, like those are people that modeled marriage for you, whether it was a loud experience or not. Um, anything that we see on social media too is a model for us. And then also what dating our person is like, we think is like a preview of what marriage is like. Um, of what marriage is like. I know that when Chad and I were first dating, we got dressed up to the nines. We did fun, expensive things, probably wasted some money. Um, our lives look different now. We, we try really hard to date and do that well, um, but it is different. It is different. Yeah, and, and when I tried to like put my finger on like what is different about marriage than I thought, I, I couldn't really nail it down, but um, I remember after, after our wedding, after we kind of like started our lives together, I remember thinking just like, now what? Because our whole lives, we'd been single and we'd been looking for someone to date. We'd, we were dating, and I knew, I knew fairly quickly with, with my wife that we, I, I wanted to marry her, and so I was like, okay, focusing on the proposal like a year before it happened, <laughs> and we'd only dated for a year. Um, so do the math. Um, and so, yeah, I, I was just looking forward to the next stage constantly. So when we were dating, I was always looking forward to, okay, we're going to get engaged. When we got engaged, we were engaged for a year and then got married. And then what's next? Of course, like a lot of people want to have kids and stuff, but I, I don't know. I guess I compartmentalized that in my brain that there was my, my work goals, my relational goals, parenting goals, and those almost were separate, even though they have to overlap somehow. Um, but I, there was just this awkward, like, okay, now what are we doing? We're just, like, doing this for the rest of our life? You know, and, and so it, it just felt different for me. And I always wanted to be married. I figured that's just what, what I would, wanted to do. I'm not sure I ever realized that I would convince a girl to actually marry me. So, <laughs> so I, I don't think I got that far in my brain. You know, like once we're married, this is what it's going to look like. Um, so that's what, what was a little bit different for me for marriage um, when, when I was first married and, and kind of still today. But um, so we have these, we, these misconceptions about marriage. And I think a lot of us do. Um, and that SNL clip, I think, is just so perfect because good comedy kind of reveals some truth about, about humans, about, about the world, about the way we think. And everyone kind of knows what they're getting at. And, and some of it's positive, some of it's, of it's negative, most of it's negative. Yeah. But um, it, it still reveals something about the way people think about marriage. Um, and so we have these, what I like to call false narratives. They're, they're incorrect stories that we tell ourselves about what marriage will be like or what marriage should be like. And then that impacts how we live our life out in that area of our life. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So they're just, they're misconceptions that we have about about marriage. Um, and I think of things as kind of two ditches. So we can go two different ways with, with marriage, um, with, with anything really, and there, we can make it an idol or we can make it a curse. Um, and, and that's helpful for really any relationship that you have, um, but it's kind of magnified in, in marriage because you're living in such close proximity to each other. Um, and so the first misconception that, that we've got, do we have it up there? Yeah. Oh yeah, I'm looking at like, it's delayed or something, right? No one's fault. I'm on fault. it. I'm, I'm looking there when it should be there. I'm sorry. Um, but marriage will solve whatever difficulties or problems that you currently have would be kind of making marriage into an idol, that it's, it's going to solve everything. My wife, my wife or husband or whatever, marriage is going to be the savior of whatever 
problems I have. Or we could take it as um, that marriage will only create more problems. You kind of hear that in, the, in Will Ferrell and Vince Vaughn's voice, that they're, they're kind of joking that it's creating quite a few problems in their life. Um, and I think the, the first one was kind of the, the main struggle for me because when I was single, and, and still to this day, I struggle with some anxiety and a little bit of depression and that sort of stuff, and, and, and pride and unforgiveness and judgmentalism and all sorts of stuff. Um, and I remember just not being super happy with my life as a single person and thinking, well, if I can just get married, that'll make me happy. That'll, that'll kind of take those problem, problems away. And, and that's not to say that, I mean, yes, we all do have those sorts of issues. The Bible says that all have fallen short. That's not a, a, an indictment on anyone. Um, but that's a lot of pressure to put on, on marriage or a spouse to, to cure all those things. Um, but God really wants us to be healed of those things. That's, that's one of the things that he does for us is he heals us, he makes us whole, he makes us new. Um, and so those, all those trust issues, depression, anxiety, whatever it is, um, God wants us to be healed and marriage isn't necessarily gonna be the thing that, that fixes that. It's not gonna make us completely happy in that way. Um, but in isolation, and I'm not talking just as, as a single person, but you can be isolated as a married person as well. In isolation, it's so easy to hide from those things um, and not let them be healed. Um, that in marriage, um, a lot of times, I, I like to say that marriage is kind of a revealer. It, it reveals a lot about yourself and each other um, because you're constantly like looking at each other and being like, why do you do that? What, not in like an accusatory way, but it, you look at other people because you spend so much time with them and think, that's curious. I wouldn't do it that way. Um, and sometimes that sounds a little accusatory. That's a kind way to say that. That's curious. That's curious, yeah. <laughs> Why do you do that? Um, so when, when we say like marriage will solve or marriage will create more problems, um, a lot of it just depends on how you look at it, is, is, what, is what is a problem? What is, it, what is a disagreement that you have or an offense that you have with someone? Um, a good friend of mine, a good friend of ours who speaks here at Revive, I'm not sure the last time he did, Ryan Hervey, um, he likes to say, offend the mind to reveal the heart. And so a lot of times when we, when we bump into people in the world, in whatever relationship we have, um, it reveals, and we, we're offended by them, it reveals more about ourselves than it does them. Right, and so when when my wife and I, when we when we kind of look at each other and say like, why why do you do that? And we're we're slightly slightly offended. We like to use the terminology of I feel some heat. Like when you do that, I feel some heat on that. Um, that that normally reveals something about me that that God wants to work within me to be to be healed of. Um, and so that that ends up being an incredible blessing in in my mind. Um, that marriage helps conform us into the image of Christ, which is which is the goal that we want, we want to happen in our life, in our Christian walk, is to grow into full maturity um, in our faith. And marriage is the blessing that allows us to, one of the blessings that allows us to continue walking with the Lord in that way. Um, and actually, there's a really interesting passage in, in Hebrews 12 that talks about now that we're surrounded by this huge cloud of witnesses. Um, and it's, it's, a, it's kind of a weird phrasing for for modern audience to say we're surrounded by a cloud of witnesses. If you look around this room, this would be a cloud of witnesses. But the, the, the original audience would know that in the Old Testament, God frequently showed up 
in a cloud, and he, and he spoke through a cloud. Um, and so when, when the author of Hebrews is saying, we're now surrounded by a huge cloud of witnesses so we can strip off all the things that, that are slowing us down in our, in our walk with God, what he's saying is that, that people are the vehicle that God uses to, to speak God's voice into our life. And so if we're, if we're open to it, um, especially in marriage, if we're open to hearing God's voice and not being offended and, and, and listening to what God has to say, a lot of times that's where we can hear God's voice and we can um, be conformed into uh, Christ's image um, through marriage. So, uh, The next one we'll touch on is can be viewed as a positive or a negative. Um, you and your spouse complete one another. You are like one now and not two. Um, sorry. This little Venn diagram right here. So like imagine that you are a circle and a person that you are in relationship is a circle. Now imagine that you marry this person and that little overlap, it apparently has a word, mandorla. I literally didn't know that till today, but that's what the little almond shape thing is called in the middle. And that space in marriage is sacred. Um, the, the point, so when you get married, Look, I know like not everybody's looking at me straight on, but we are like this, not like this. Like you don't become one circle. You are still a self. There's just a little bit of overlap and that space is holy. Um, we're complete. A whole person, regardless of our relationship status is the point of that. Um, we can be clear on and embrace our own unique identity while also encouraging our partner in their individuality. And um, I think that if we don't, if we don't encourage this from the people that we are partnering with in relationship, um, they, our partners could rebel and look for spaces in which they feel free and find freedom. Um, so we wanna be safe for them to grow and learn and develop. And I know this is really groundbreaking, but we are different today than we will be in five years, than we will be in 50 years. Similarly, the people that we do relationship with will be different next week. Okay, maybe not. But like, you know, as we look ahead, we change and we grow and we evolve and it's good. I think it's really good. Um, so building the people up around us to do that and encouraging that, right out of Thessalonians 5, encourage each other and build each other up. That's just a good, that is just a good thing for us to do all the time. Um, encourage people. So that little, that little holy space in the middle there, that is something new. When, when you enter in that par- partnership with someone, that is something new and that is a sacred space. And what I love about like <laughs> me being a circle is that before anything else, my identity is not in any status. It is the fact that I am a child of the, of the king, of the father. That is, that is who we are. That is who our creator is. Um, Genesis 1:27. So God created human beings in his image. Yay, that is good news. The Bible is good. Um, The other thing that I want to say when we think about the Trinity, Father, Spirit, Son, if you wanted to, you could do three little things, right? And that little part in the middle, like it's all one thing, but it's three parts. It's a mystery. It's It's kind of wild, but it's really cool. And I love that about God is that we can be like, what? Similarly, marriage is also a mystery. And that little part where there's overlap, yes, two separate two separate things, but there's overlap and it is also one. Um, so that's what we enter into if, if we enter into marriage. The next one is that 
uh, marriage will be easy and perfect or that marriage will be hard and impossible. Um, and you probably maybe see yourself somewhere in between those, obviously. Um, I think I was more on the top one that um, marriage would be easy. And, um, you know, sometimes a lot, the truth is often somewhere in the middle, right? It's, it's, it's neither of these. Um, it, these are the two ditches that we talk about. Um, but we, we see in movies and on social media, everyone's, you know, perfect relationship. And then we think, like, that's, that's what it's going to be like. Um, and then, then on the other hand, we also hear this stat all over that 50% of marriages end in divorce. So why even try? Because it's going to be hard and it's going to be impossible and it just no one can actually do it. Um, and so this is... Stay with me on this kind, of, this kind of tangent here, but I find this really interesting that, so in Genesis 1, God creates man and woman. He puts them in the garden, and everything there is perfect. Um, and then he gives them the first command, and that is not, not the first commandment. The first command in the Bible is to be fruitful and multiply, to make babies, right? That's the first command in the Bible. Um, and, th- and then he puts them in the garden, right, and says, do not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, um, or you will die. And then the, the serpent comes along and says, did God say that you will, you will actually die? And they say, yeah, you will. And then the serpent says, no, you won't actually die. And then they eat of the tree, right? What happens? They eat of the tree, and do they die? No. So was God lying? Was the serpent, li- was the serpent right? No. I think what, it, what they're talking about there is that there's this symbolism in, in this story as we, as we read it. And we, we don't have to take it all literal, all symbolic, but, but when God says, be fruitful and multiply at the beginning to create life within the context of marriage, he, yes, he's talking about make children, but he's also talking about much more because he's not talking about just that they were going to eat of the fruit and then they were just going to drop dead. They were going to be separated from God because then they're expelled from the garden after that. And so this, this life and this death has kind of a a dual meaning to it, that it's, it's both physical and also spiritual. And, and sometimes the, the spiritual part of it is actually a little bit more the focus of what the story is talking about. And so marriage is often a symbol of what the kingdom of God is supposed to be like and what, what, our, what our goal here is. And, and in marriage, and actually for people who are not married, the goal is to be fruitful and multiply, to create life where there is death. And the good news about, about marriage is that we get this partner this, with this calling, with this partner, this teammate, to, to go and to, to be fruitful and multiply where we see death in the world, where we see that there is not life, where there's disease, where there's sickness, where there's pain, where there's trauma, where there's all these different things, and then we can go and be someone who brings life to the world. Um, and so this, this first command, you know, on, on the surface you might think like, well, that's just for married people, right? Because it's, it's create babies, right? But there, there's a much deeper meaning to that, I think, um, in that our calling as Christians everywhere is to go and be fruitful and multiply in, in whatever kind of life, um, wherever we see that there is not life mm-hmm. present. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the last one we'll touch on, <clears throat> our spouse will always know everything we want or need. So, like, that is very assumptive, and it's very easy to be assumptive because you're like, you should already know all this stuff, right? That's, like, why we got married. And, like, I'm being a little, like, jovial about it, but, like, legit, I sometimes do that. If I don't communicate with my partner, he does not know what I need or what I want or what will satisfy me. Um, Our partner is not God. 
God is God. I can't imagine if Chad like gave me that kind of authority. That is so much pressure and I surely would disappoint him because I'm just, I'm not good enough. God is good enough. Um, Communicating well means you're vulnerable even when it's super hard and really uncomfortable. Handling conflict well and with kindness even when that is super hard too. So some of it's conflict is conflict. We've navigated it. If you haven't, you probably will at some point in your life teach me how you haven't yet. I would love to know. Um, assume positive atten- intent. That is the one thing that you can assume. Assume that someone never means to like hurt you. Communicate with them. Talk with them about it. All the while building one another up. Um, sometimes I'm the difficult person. Sometimes you will be the difficult person. Sometimes Eric is the difficult person. Um, Own it. Let's just own it. Know that we're not perfect. Let God be perfect and press into his goodness and the peace that he brings. Um, I also want to talk about a book called The Five Love Languages really quick. It's by a guy named Gary Chapman. Have you guys, raise your hand if you've heard of it-ish. Okay, great. There are five love languages in which we best receive love from somebody. Acts of service, me mowing the lawn, me doing laundry, me cleaning. Physical touch, literally physical touch. Holding hands, putting your arm around a shoulder, kissing, uh, sexual intimacy. Quality time, which is like undivided attention where you are looking at the person. Not like you're side by side watching a movie, like that's fun. That is not quality time, very intentional. I know we overuse that word, intentional. Receiving gifts, literally someone gives you something that you can hold in your hands, uh, regardless of like value, like it could be a DIY, my five-year-old made me a scarf, or it could be my husband bought me a, I don't know, an Apple watch, I don't know, just anything that is tangible you can touch. And then words of affirmation, verbal compliments. You look really good today. I love it when you pick up the kids so that I don't have to deal with traffic at 4.30 because it makes me lose my mind. Those are, those are nice ways of words of affirmation. Um, there are num- he has a number of different versions of this book for married folks, for kids, for teenagers, for single people. Cafe Hope carries all of them. Um, Chad and I just read this book. So we've heard about it off and on for just however long. We read it for the first time together. And I had no idea that my husband's love language was acts of service. You guys, he does all this stuff for like us and around the household all the time. And I'm like, cool, somebody had to do it. He was, he, that is how he receives love best. How he was trying to show me love was by the way he receives it. I could care less about that. I want physical touch and quality time. I want him to look at me and like hold my hands. That sounds dramatic, but that's like actually what I desire. So cool. Um, But his is acts of service. So now I know that I can best love Chad and show him that by doing stuff that I'm like, this is mundane and we just have to do it. He like cares about it substantially different than me. All that to say, learn about it. It It literally applies to everybody. You could know your siblings love language better and love your family in a different and better way by by doing this work. Um, Good news. We were created to be in community and in relationship with one another. Those relationships can have a lot of different titles, whatever your status is. Um, When we communicate well in any of those relationships, 
we tend to love one another better, kinder, more gracefully, um, and we are called to love. And that's, so love is something you do for someone else, not something you do for yourself. Okay, Gary, that's the guy that wrote the book. It's so good. Then right out of Luke 6, my translation is the measure that you give will be the measure that you get. And that's not just like a, you guys should do this because it's good. It's like a, if we pour out, if we pour out and we're kind and we're generous, it will come back. And that is what God wants for us in relationship with him and, and in relationship with others. Marriage I'm, is... Mar- I'm supposed to keep talking. Right. Cool. Okay. I thought, I thought so. I just was. <laughs> Great, everybody. Um, marriage is a gift. There's a couple that I know. It's, okay, it's a, a friend of mine, his parents. They're in their 70s. If you ask them any given day how they do it so well and how they're so amazing and so in love still, they will both tell you, I love God more than I love my partner. They put, they put God above their partner. They do that jointly, and that enables them to, I don't want to say like to deal with each other. That's what I'm going to say. Like in our humanity, in our humanness, the love of God gives us the strength to just do all of the other people's stuff really well. Um, The gift of marriage challenges us. It presses us. There's growth in that pressing. And part of the Bible reading from Ephesians, the very first little bit that flies by so fast, but is so important. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Serve one another. Please don't get hung up on that word submit. If you don't like it, fine. Let, just let it be a thing that you don't have to worry about. Serve one another out of reverence for Christ. Whether it's your roommate or your best friend or your parent or your partner or your spouse or your boyfriend or your ex-girlfriend, serve one another. That verse isn't about a person holding more authority over the other. It's about mutual servitude, mutual status, and shared honor. Marriage is, it's not impossible, and it's, um, it's not easy or impossible, but, mm-hmm. but it really is good, um, and it's a gift that God's given us um, I, I find it really interesting that Israel, the, the chosen people of God, um, were given this name Israel after Jacob. Jacob was renamed Israel, which means one who wrestles with God, one who struggles with the relationship with God, but it's worth it. And so marriage is, is one of those special relationships. The good news of marriage is that it's a gift from God, and it's meant to be a blessing um, that's worth some struggle. Just like your relationship with God is worth a little struggle. Um, and, and it's a glimpse of this kingdom of God that we're invited into. Every single one of us, regardless of our marital, marital status, is invited into this bigger purpose and this bigger calling um, to create life where there is death. And that means to, to go and to love our neighbors but also to love our enemies. And I also love the great commandment. If you think about it, where, where Jesus says, go and to love your neighbor. We, we, a lot of times we think about love as being a feeling, right? If it's a feeling, that, that commandment is impossible, right? If it's a feeling, 
it's impossible. I'm a baseball fan, for example. As you can see, I'm wearing a baseball hat and shirt. I'm a Mariners fan. It's, if you don't know who they are, they're just they're terrible. That's all you got to know. And I can't stand the Yankees, the Astros. The, I, like, I could go on and on because they're all, yeah, they're, I just, I have no feelings, positive feelings towards these Love teams or they're human, these humans, Love right? Love As players, this is an analogy. <laughs> I'm not perfect, I promise. But if someone came to me and said, no, now love the Yankees, I can't do it. I can't, I can't muster up that feeling. But, but in the commandment, it's a commandment because it's, it's, it's a choice that we can make and it's a verb that we can do. Um, and it's not, not the feeling that we have. If you've ever had depression or anxiety like I have and you've just had someone come to you and just say, well, just be happy, your, your life's great. You know how not helpful that is, right? And side note, if you're struggling with something like that, please surround yourself with people that you can, you can open up to, find some help. It's gonna get better. And there are, there are resources, especially here, a care team that is fantastic at that. But it, it, it doesn't help to just say, just, just be happy. Just have this feeling. Because the commandment is not about a feeling. It's, it's about a choice that we make. And, and in marriage, when you're when at a wedding, you hear people who come up and, and make a promise to someone else. Um, and I had known my wife for a little over two years when we got married. And we've now been married for six. I had no idea the person she was going to be today when I said yes to her at our, at our wedding. And so that's kind of like the, the image that we get of the kingdom of God is that we choose to love other people even when either we disagree with them or we don't even know who they're going to be the next day, right? They're going to change. Everyone changes and, and becomes someone new. I don't know who my wife's going to be 50 years from now. But we've both agreed to choose to love each other uh, as Christ has loved the church. Um, and so that's our call as Christians, single or married, um, to love everyone as Christ loved the church. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what you just said is right out of John 13, 34. So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Regardless of your relationship status, your call is to love. My call is to love. And I think that that's our call to action tonight. So if you like take one thing with you as you leave, I think it should, it should be, my call is to love people. To love well. To love God. To love the people around us, however close or far in relational proximity. Of the same Jesus who died for you and I, Paul writes this in his letter to Philippians, and this is how we're going to close. Why don't you close your eyes? I'll read this over you. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Go and love well. I invite you to stand. We're going to worship together.
Thanks for listening, everyone. Revive West Des Moines happens every Thursday night at Hope in West Des Moines, and we'd love to connect with you on social media. So find us and let us know where you're listening from. And whenever you're in town, we would love to have you come to Revive and join us live. Peace out, Scouts.